thing to be done in secret. And the recurring phrases, you, you hear them, not like hypocrites, for they've received their reward. And what's going on here? I told you last week, John Wesley wrote 13 sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. He used two sermons on what we're talking about today on these sections. And he put it down in one word, intention. What is our intention when we give to the poor? What is our intention when we pray or fast? It's to have an honest relationship. Do we give to the poor? Do we give those things out in a way? Do we do them for pride or out of compassion? Near the end of the year, a lot of folks write checks so they can get the credit on their income tax. That's okay. I wonder if that's what Jesus meant by their reward today. To give alms. Prayer. Are we doing prayer in pride or in piety? Are we asking for ourselves or for others? Fasting. Are we doing that in pride or in self-teaching? I think of the three, by the way, the one that we're probably least familiar with is fasting. And it does come up for Lent. I had a curiosity, how many of you during Lent when you were a child gave up candy? Right? Yeah, I see a few nods. How many, when you were a child, had parents who gave up cigarette smoking? It was a long 40 days. But in fasting, Wesley talked about it as being a, a practice to assuage God, to, to work for forgiveness. Like, well, the example he gives, you might recall in the book of Jonah, Jonah is sent to Nineveh to preach God's word, God's threat of destruction. And the king of Nineveh says, we'll do fasting and even the animals will fast and we'll put on sackcloth and ashes. Wesley looked at that as an example of fasting to, to assuage God, to do penance, to prepare for the holy. Let me suggest another way of doing fasting, another reason. It's to learn compassion through want. There are people today, not too far from here, who don't know where their next meal is coming from. By fasting, we can be one with them. Yes, we can choose. They can't. But it does work us to compassion. There are people now who, in Ukraine, for example, and elsewhere in the world, who literally don't know, don't have anything to eat. By fasting, we can be strict with ourselves and come just a little closer to maybe feeling what they feel. Jesus, by the way, did all three. Of course, he prayed, and he prayed alone. Um, from the very earliest mark, uh, he goes off by himself to pray. And of course, he prays by himself at the end in Gethsemane. We know that he, there was alms for the poor. We have that wonderful story about the woman who comes to bless Jesus with the, with the anointing. And, and Judas is the one who says, wait, we could have sold that and given the money to the poor. And we know about fasting. For example, we have this story from some of the manuscripts of Jesus coming down from the mountain after the transfiguration and, and throwing out a demon and his 
disciples saying, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this one comes out only with prayer and fasting. In Jesus' teaching, all three, the almsgiving, the prayer, the fasting, rather than being a transaction for a person's own well-being, it's relational. It's a relationship with the one you're helping, with the one you're praying for, and with the one that you're fasting for. I, I want to spend a little bit of time on the Lord's Prayer. You heard today a slightly different version than we usually say and that we'll say later in the service. We have two kinds, certainly from Scripture, one in Matthew and a shorter one in Luke. And it, it's a question that, as a minister, when I go to preach elsewhere in a different church, one I haven't been to before, one of the questions I'll ask is, is, is this congregation a trespass or a sin or a debt congregation? I mean, it's how we say the prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. I'm going to go through it a little bit, and I'm going to use the Greek as translated by David Bentley Hart, a person who tried to get to the original Greek, and you heard some of that this morning. The first part is for all people at all times. Our Father who art in heaven, let your name be held holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will come to pass as in heaven, so also on earth. That's a very dangerous prayer. Think about it. It's asking God's kingdom to become here and now, and with that, the judgment of the nations. And now we move to our needs. Give us today bread for the day ahead, and excuse us our debts, just as we have excused our debtors, and do not bring us to trial. Do not bring us to trial. Last year, actually almost exactly a year ago, Pope Francis, one of my favorite bishops, Pope Francis caused quite a sensation when he took the phrase, lead us not into temptation, out, and said instead, do not let us fall into temptation. And he explained it this way, using James's letter, let no one say when he's tempted that I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Neat, neat way to look at it. Do not let us fall into temptation, or as the Greek, do not bring us to trial, but rescue us from him who is wicked. This version, what we have in the Greek, is a prayer for the thing that was most difficult for the people of the time, for the poor, to be in debt. There's some estimates that 80 to 90% of your income went for taxes. What was left over is all what you had, and you often had to borrow against it. And things would get to a point where you had to borrow so much that you actually had to sell yourself into a slavery. And what Jesus was letting people know is that God would listen to them. And the evil one, that was the debt collector. What do we have here? What we have here is personal piety, spiritual training, and action in a community to give alms, 
to fast, to pray. Wesley takes about these speeches of Jesus, asking us to look to where our heart is in any particular action. Is the reward that we're asking for God's glory and not our own? Are we acknowledging our utter dependence on God for all our needs, particularly when we fast? And to act in all manners so as not only to do good, but to avoid sin. Those are pretty good comments from the originator of Methodism. There's something else, though, that happens when you do these three things. When you pray, when you give alms, and when you fast, you change. You change. You're open to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will change you. And you do that, you change the world around you because of each of these actions and how you do them defines a relationship. Your relationship with God by prayer. Your relationship with the needs of your community by almsgiving and with yourself by fasting. I entitled this sermon Living Prayer. The idea is that by fasting and by giving alms is a form of, of worship, of prayer. But I could just as well have called it lessons in personal piety or spiritual training. Our scripture is a book of stories that, that can only make sense when we put it into our own story. And here and now, a story for each of us and putting it into our own personal stories. Take a look what it is to give alms today in your life. And by the way, it's so easy to give money. You can use PayPal. But let me suggest that when you give alms, you find a way to do it so that you can see the eyes of the person you're helping. Prayer today. What do you pray for? What do I pray for? How can prayer change us? An example. If you pray for your enemies, if you pray for those that you violently disagree with, if you pray for the Russian soldiers who are dying in a war, it will change you. And fasting today. Yes, we fast during Lent, but can you fast sometimes other ways? There was what's called the Wesley fast, where he would fast Wednesdays and Fridays, basically skipping breakfast and lunch on those two days. It was a classic, even out of the Jewish tradition. Can you fast other times just to remind yourself to train? Let's pray. Let's give alms. Let's fast. Amen. You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18 in the Common English Bible. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. 
If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may get praise from people. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may give to the poor in secret. Your Father, who sees what you do in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father, who sees what you do in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They distort their faces so people will know they are fasting. I assure you that they have their reward. When you fast, brush your hair and wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father, who is present in that secret place. Your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sharon. We've been going these past few Sundays, and will next Sunday, through the Sermon on the Mount. And we began, you recall, with those who were blessed, those who were honored by God. And they were the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the downtrodden, the oppressed, those who showed mercy and were pure in heart, peacemakers, the persecuted and insulted. The very people who in that time and society were considered not blessed, but cursed by God. Something different. And then, then last week we looked at the hurting actions, the moving away from what was a given law and an old tradition into a new one. We looked at anger and adultery, divorce, oaths and keeping one's word, retaliation and revenge and what's left, but to love your enemy, to be perfect. One question we might want to ask ourselves is, do we really have this as the new tradition? Is this our new way of living? Or are we still stuck in the old ways? Now, today, we're going to take a look at and heard in the reading, how are we 
to have the strength to do these new things. Moving from the who and the what into a how. After these lists, we're brought up to three simple things to do and how to do them. And does the list sound familiar? Giving alms, praying, fasting. They, they were the same three things that Pastor Sarah went through with the children a couple of weeks ago at the start of Lent. It's, it's our spiritual practices for Lent. Giving alms, that is to give to those in need, to pray, but we're taught now in a certain way to pray, and to fast, to humble yourself into a want. And, and we're told by Jesus how to do these things in a special way. See, all three of these were, were very common then. Prayer, giving alms, fasting. It was the spiritual practices of his day. Giving alms in secret. Back in those days, there was a tradition that if wealthy people were going to give money away or give things away, they would blow trumpets, and that was a signal for the poor people to come. But there was also a tradition in the synagogue. There was a small room off to the side in the synagogue that was kept dark. And that's where you went to give money in secret. To give money in secret. And prayer, we're taught to pray in secret, not make a show of it. And our fast.